you're listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among all Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome in to another episode of Talking Out Loud, the only show on the internet solely dedicated to giving you the good dish about the Dayton Flyers. I'm your host, Sully, and I am absolutely delighted to have you, fair listener, for another episode. And I don't do enough shameless plugging at the front of the episodes, but please, if you are listening to this right now, it would help me a great deal if you liked, subscribe to the podcast on whatever you listen to, whichever medium that may be. Google Podcasts, maybe Stitcher, maybe Apple Podcasts, maybe it's even Spotify. Any of those are totally fine. Just go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button so that I know you're a fan of the show. That helps me a great deal. All right, now that that's out of the way, we got a nice little show for you tonight. Uh, Moving forward, episode every single Thursday, and we will continue doing that until the Dayton Flyers take the floor, and they will take the floor. 40 days from the time this episode was released. That, again, is Tuesday, November 9th. Um, I keep repeating that on the podcast because I feel like if I keep repeating it, it makes it feel more real. Uh, Because there is a little part of me, maybe there's a little part of you, that is still thinking that we're not going to have fans in UD Arena and it's going to be the same type of environment as last year. But rest assured, fair listener, it will not be that way. There will be fans in the building, they will be wearing red, and they will they will be extremely loud. So we are all looking forward to that. All right, show tonight, I have a special guest. He goes by Jim Root at Second Chance Points on Twitter. I'll repeat that a couple more times before the show's over. But he is a part of the three-man weave, 3-man-weave.com. And he recently did an A-10 preview. These guys have the most in-depth previews of anybody out there on the internet i promise you so if you aren't familiar with three man weave go ahead and check them out again three dash man dash weave.com and they don't just cover the a10 they actually cover the entire college basketball landscape which is an entirely ridiculous task and i will use the word herculean here later on in the show, but it really is. I I like these guys a lot, and and I love to bring them on the show because I said when they started the site that it is absurd for people to want to cover every single conference and team in college basketball, but they have actually found a way to do it succinctly, uh, do it intelligently, and um, and do it vigorously because that's really the problem is when you cover so many leagues, you tend to put out these previews that are full of fluff and, oh, they have a couple of guys coming back and here's what I think about them. And no, these guys are not that way. If you go and read their A-10 preview, they have clips of offenses. They use a lot of different examples on what kind of system each team is running. And the preview that they did for Dayton is no exception to that rule. Uh, They slotted Dayton right above VCU in the fourth spot 
uh, in the conference, but they broke it out into tiers. We're going to get into those tiers in more depth here later on in the show, but basically Bonaventure is a conference leader here in the preseason, and then Richmond, St. Louis, Dayton, VCU are right there behind them. And I would say, for your money and my own, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a preview that's going to be different than that. Uh, out of the gate, there every single year, there is a team that everybody likes to win the league. And going all the way back uh, to 2017, Dayton was that team. The year after, it was Rhode Island. Uh, I believe in 2019, it was VCU. And then last year it was Richmond. They fell off and Bonaventure ended up winning. But Bonaventure is now bringing back their entire lineup. So it's relevant to you as a Dayton Flyer fan. And we will try to keep the conversation kind of focused and centered around Dayton. But uh, I'll say it at the end of the episode. And it's a good place to kind of start today's episode with the season 40 days away that the ceiling for the Flyers is absolutely to win the conference and get a seed between... Let's say, oh, since we're talking ceilings, between five and eight. And then I think the bottom floor for this team is finishing fifth or sixth. I don't think there's any way in the world with the talent that's coming onto this roster that Dayton would finish below sixth. And I went as far as to say I would delete my Twitter account if they did finish sixth because there was a preposterous preview by Blue Ribbon put out there on Twitter just a couple of days ago that had Dayton an unfathomable seventh and uh, you know it's a, a kind of a good thing to, to dive into is like why would I be so mad if Dayton finished seventh and really the reason is that you know Grant and, and company have done a fantastic job of bringing in transfers they've done a fantastic job with recruiting and they've done a fantastic job with player development and with those three areas you are starting to see that there is no reason why Dayton should ever finish below six in this conference because the program has been elevated just a slight notch from where it was when Anthony Grant took over from Archie Miller. Now, obviously, we're saying they're a slight notch above because of those intangibles because the actual winning has not been there. And we can say that the the winning has been there if you're if you're wanting to put that asterisk next to the 2020 season but the fact of the matter is Dayton fans are thirsty for a winner and this team should have enough talent to put that winner on the floor from night 1 um but you know the nice thing about the schedule this year is that Dayton gets plenty of opportunities to get those wheels greased right um the home schedule is crap we've said it a, a bunch of times they're playing a lot of good games this year but the home schedule is absolute crap um the best game that we're going to see before the year turns over is Virginia Tech on Sunday December 12th but uh other than that they have to go to old miss they have to go to SMU, both quality games, and then they have to go to the ESPN Events Invitational in Orlando where they will play Miami and have a shot at Kansas in that second game if all goes well. But when you look down the rest of the schedule, I mean, it's just, it's crap. And you have to say it three times, right? The Flyers schedule, if you haven't read it yet, I will bring you up to speed or I'll just give you a quick refresher. They start with UIC night one, then they play UMass Lowell that Saturday, then the next week, Wednesday against Lipscomb, and then that next Saturday against Austin P. So for all intents and purposes, the Flyers should be 4-0. If they're not 4-0, we have some huge, huge problems on the season, 
but they should be 4-0 heading into that Orlando Invitational, and they are playing at noon Eastern on Thanksgiving, where we will find out exactly how good or not good the Dayton Flyers team is. So set your calendars. When that Lions game starts on Thanksgiving afternoon, you will be able to turn the TV to ESPN, and there will be a Dayton Flyers basketball game waiting for you. Make sure the kids have something to do, and make sure your wife slash girlfriend is not bugging you on Thanksgiving afternoon to do something else related to the meal. I'm just telling you to get out ahead of it. I know I have a lot loud moms out there. Just get ahead of this situation, okay, everybody? Tell your family that you're going to be watching basketball noon on Thanksgiving Day when Dayton takes on Miami. But uh, all of that to say that there are plenty of opportunities for this uh, this roster to gel, and four games should be enough to get these guys into some kind of continuity so that they're ready to play Miami on Thanksgiving Day. And then uh, after that, you know, you, uh, you're going to have your, yourself six games, and the non-conference slate will be over, and it'll be ready to play A-10 basketball right before the calendar turns over. Dayton opens their A-10 season against Rhode Island on December 30th. That is a Thursday night in Kingston. All right, that'll do it for my preamble tonight. We are going to get to the interview I did with Jim Rude again at Second Chance Points, and he writes for the three-man weave. That episode coming up right now. This is Talking Out Loud, and I'm your host, Sully. Joining the show, joining Talking Out Loud right now, I have 33 and a third percent of the three-man weave. He goes by at Second Chance Points on Twitter, but he goes by Jim Root when he's on the podcast. Jim, it is great to have you on. Now I have knocked out two of the three-man weave, so no doubt next year I will have to complete the trifecta, but I appreciate you coming on, giving us some time, and following up on this way-too-long A-10 preview that you wrote. It must have taken you at least a week, did it not? Oh, yeah. Nothing is too long, though, right? I mean, there's not enough content for the A-10 fans to gobble up, so I was happy to serve them up a a, a long dish of it. But yeah, the, the, the previews do take us quite a while. We try to put as much detail and time and attention into it as possible read message boards read articles and coach quotes and stuff because if you miss if you, if there's something wrong people will let you know as you did today i did i did i had <laughs> to man i had i and i i promised it i was like i'm sorry i gotta be like this i was like but you said that elijah weaver was a senior he's not a senior he's a junior we don't have any seniors in the lineup but you astutely pointed out that in this A10 preview we're talking about, head on over to threemanweave.com and check out their A10 preview. That's why we're doing the episode. That's why he's here. Um, but you had astutely pointed out that you guys decided instead of trying to figure out all this eligibility crap, you were like, all right, we'll just go along with the natural progression, even though last year didn't count towards eligibility. We'll just blanket, put everybody where they're supposed to be, and then deal with it right yeah it's it's mayhem between like within even conferences like one roster will have guys listed as their academic academic year some will have the athletic eligibility some will just put like year one year two year three year four year five that's what they need to do that's what they have to do it it makes the most sense yeah let's go to a number system because you know guys like us we don't really want to be sifting through tea leaves like just tell me what year they're in easy Right, exactly. Because some of these guys, you know, the the incoming freshmen won't have a fifth year available, but 
the guys that are remaining freshmen will, it, it's going to be a headache for the next four years. But tell me, and I know this is true, but I have to hear it confirmed. Every single time I write about the conference, I get about, I want to say like six to eight teams in. And then I go, fuck, there's like eight teams left to write about. Like 14 doesn't seem like that many until you have to write something about all of them. And then you get to those last two and you're just like, oh, my God, I, I got to write yep. about Fordham. 100%. <laughs> so my, my the way I've tried to battle that is I write Fordham first and I write bottom up so then like i'm sick of it but at the end it's like at least i get to write richmond and saint bonaventure or like about dayton like a good team if i was at, at the end and it was fordham i'd be like all right here's their three guys that might matter but the team won't so that's it <laughs> <laughs> see like you take the opposite approach that i do because i always do my a10 preview alphabetically so i've always written the most about davidson 100 percent the most about <laughs> davidson and then by the time i get to vcu it's always like some really off the wall slander like oh here we are uh, screw vcu they're gonna lose all their games and they got some good players <laughs> like by the end i'm just like so burnt out and i've and Fordham's at the beginning, you know, so I've written a pretty decent amount about Fordham. But yeah, and they're they're excited. All those loyal Fordham fans are excited to hear about it. There's no VCU fans that could possibly get upset about anything you would say. That I'm sure they're very quiet when you say that. <laughs> well, I think nowadays that my uh, my reputation precedes itself, and so it's it's taken with that perfect grain of salt. And you have to earn that, you know, because when you're first trolling, people are like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> but then, like now that I've earned a little bit, they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's definitely something Sully would say." You know, yes, yeah. I. I I will say we really like I I don't try to troll anything. I think there are people that look at like rankings and be like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or he has to be trolling. Like I know you guys I will, are I will only write yeah, right. I will only write what I sincerely believe. And sometimes it will be very wrong. And you can even prove me wrong. Like if you have, you know, somebody comes with a very fact based argument, I'll be like, Yep, actually, I, I will move your team up or something like that. But <laughs> uh I, I just I I admire the people that can lean into a little more of like the true trolling. And it is fun the like few times I've done it on Twitter to somebody, but I just don't have it in me. I think, I don't know if that makes me a good person or just a loser. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to have it, but I'm too, I'm too vanilla. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I, I really, I'm kind of the same way as you. Like I don't have it in me to troll, but what I do do is say shit that is true that people just do not like. <laughs> um, you know, and I think that's that's been my brand for a while, because um, if you stink, I'm just going to say you stink. And I will tell you, they probably aren't listening to a preseason show, but the people that get the most upset about it in this conference are UMass fans, because for years I am like UMass is irrelevant. UMass does not matter. And I'm not going to write anything about them. I'm not going to give them you know time. And that just it infuriates people because they're the, the type of fan base that they're like, we would rather you talk crap about us than dismiss us altogether. You know what I mean? Like they just cannot be dismissed entirely. And I respect that. You know, you, everybody roots for a team. I admire so much how eternally optimistic they are because yeah. like, they just they haven't been great for quite a few years now. But every offseason, they are looking at the rosiest possible outcome. <laughs> like this year, they're they're this talking the themselves. Into, it's addition by subtraction with Trey Mitchell, which <laughs> if he was still there, they'd be pushing him for All-American. But like since he's out the door, they're only talking about the warts he had. Spins up. And, and yeah, but and like I'm a fan of a team that's not good, Missouri, and I just am like mired in the fact that they'll never be good. So I wish I had that optimism, that yearly, let's turn the page and be better, because I'm just like resigned to the fact at this point. 
Well, a lot of Dayton fans do have that rosy optimism, which I believe is why my show does so well, because there's a thirst for like truth out there. You know, like what is the actual truth? Because the school will always be like in the program. They're always like, yeah, this is the year and we're going to be great. And, you know, there's always other people that are like, oh, Dayton sucks every year. So I try to play the middle ground and maybe, you know, maybe that's that's where the successes come from. But um before I turn the tables on you, I was curious since since you're now talking to the the Dayton audience here, and um, I'm not a spokesperson for the Dayton fans, but I do have a podcast and people are listening. So here we go. Do you have any questions for Dayton fans now that you're here with us in an open forum? Is there anything you ever wanted to know about Dayton fans before I turn the tables and ask you questions for the next like half hour ish? All right. First thing, I'll try I to knew, come up with. I knew you had them. That's why I, I turned it like that. Well, well, this this I mean, this isn't like deadly serious or anything by any means. But yeah. why don't you feature your mascot more? He is the coolest mascot in like the actual physical guy that runs around the arena. He should be everywhere. All of your marketing. That guy rocks. What's his you're, name? The Flyer. You're a Rudy Flyer fan. You are. I, I love him. I, I think he's so cool. <laughs> Why? Because he looks like a mascot you would meet at a bar. Is that is that the idea sort here? of? And I I just I kind of like how into the flyer theme he is, and he's not like a total artificial creature. So yeah, he's he's the realism sells him for me. You, you have now um, just because you asked me that question, I'm gonna put on this podcast the the old picture of Rudy Flyer from like the 70s or 80s, where his chin looks like a big pair of balls. Um, so thank you because I'm going to put it on the episode. You'll see it when the episode comes out, but he's got, he's got ball chin. So that's like um, the Peter Griffin look. Yeah, exactly. Correct. So Rudy has gone through different variations since I think the seventies when he was drawn up. Um, but I think he's not featured more intentionally because he is, um, I'm not gonna say he's like a polarizing figure in the fan base. I think that most Dayton fans, tolerate his existence and we know that our mascot could be a whole lot worse so we're just like ah yeah that's the fucking weird guy and like the because the pants are really what's weird like if you've ever been to ud arena the rudy flyer head is cool but sometimes um sometimes it's a girl sometimes it's a cheerleader guy and if you have skinny legs and like the big rudy head they Ah. wear these like baggy pants that just throw the whole costume out of proportion he looks like a youth football player where the helmet's way too big. Yeah, like correct. The, the head is just oversized. Okay, that makes correct. sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, second comment, and it's it's more a comment than a question, okay. and maybe it can turn into a question. I went to the Molly Invitational last year, and the Dayton fans were like unbelievable. In, in oh, Maui. in 2019, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the last year that was actually in in oh, Maui. Yeah, and. They were incredible. Like the the level that they traveled, the the volume that they were. And I'm not saying this just because I'm on a Dayton podcast. I would say this on a Kansas podcast who, who was also there. Good. The Dayton fans were by far the best uh, group of that eight eight team field. I, I guess what like is it because there's no football? What makes the Flyer fan base so maniacal to the point that it is? Well, I don't want football players in my mention. So there is a football team. Oh, there. It's sorry. Okay. Division it's okay. One FBS, it's okay. My They're bad. not going to come my after bad. you. They come after me. That's that's my <laughs> okay. purpose here. But they're, yeah, they're, they're one double A non scholarship. So it is a little bit harder for them to get in the playoffs. They have to win their league. Neither here nor there. So we didn't come here to talk about Dayton football. But I have my own um, hypothesis for this whole theory. And we talk about this a lot. Like, why are we so passionate? Why do we have so much love? And, and it's 
it's three different things. Okay, I'll break it down for all the listeners. And I want to see if listeners agree with me. I think they will. <clears throat> That's why I have the show. Anyways, so number one is that Dayton obviously has no pro teams. And the team in Dayton for basketball is the largest stage that any team in Dayton gets because the baseball team is is 1A, the Dragons who support the Reds. Um, and that's pretty much it, right? Like they have a soccer team in Dayton, but and they I think they had a minor league hockey team for a long time, too. But it's always been the one team town. So that's the most obvious thing. Okay? OK, now, the other thing is the arena. And Dayton had gone through like two different phases. So now I'm, I'm giving listeners a history lesson. I might not know this, but when Dayton moved basketball into the field house, I want to say it was like post-World War II, there was pushback in the community saying, you'll never fill the field house for basketball. You know, this is like late 40s, early 50s. And then they did. So then when Dayton went to the Final Four in 1967, the school had the foresight to say, hey, let's build an arena. Because at that time, schools were like Marquette were stopping coming to Dayton because we were playing in a field house and not a proper arena. So the school said, let's go out and build this arena. And when they went to the final four in 67, that was enough galvanization for the community to get behind the team. And so in 1969, the arena opened. So there's that, right? So there's a, those two parts I think are the, the most important to the Dayton fan base. Um, and then the last one I think is like this, chip on your shoulder, you know, but also Dayton is kind of, um, I think that like the community aspect is something we always talk about, but more so Dayton is one of those schools where if you went there, there's a pretty good chance that like your parents went there or your aunt and uncle went there or someone you knew went there. And so it kind of has this very like, you know, chip on your shoulder community thing where people are just like, Hey, listen to us. Okay. Like, Hey, we have something to say. We are Dayton fans. We're not maybe the biggest program out there, but we always kind of walk around with this, like, Hey, pay attention to us attitude. Um, Okay. I buy that. Yeah. So I think it's those three things, but without any one of those things, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We need all three. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's what makes you have a podcast. The fact that the, the fan base is that passionate. So yeah, it's, it's, props to it's them. fucking ridiculous that like a thousand people a week listen to my podcast in the off season. But again, <laughs> yeah. Jim, I'm, I'm just appreciative that you've come on the show and you've learned because that's what it's all about. It's all about. Yeah. Learning. Get, get better every day, folks. That's what we're doing. Yeah. That's what we're doing. All right. Perfect time for trivia. I like that segue. Uh, hit the music. So, Jim, usually I wait till the end of the podcast to, to slam you in the forehead with some trivia, but you were knee deep in the A-10 for the last couple of weeks, I have to assume. And so today's trivia is focused around the A-10 conference in all of its glory. The A-10 conference dates all the way back to 1977 when it was founded. The original member is not important for this trivia question. My question to you, Jim, is what current member, that's a hint, what current member of the A-10 conference has the most basketball championships in the A-10 tournament? What current program in the A-10 has the most championships in the A-10 basketball tournament? Oh, boy. Um, is this a trick question? If I don't say Dayton, I'm kicked off? No, it's everybody that's listening to you knows it's not Dayton. We've only won one time. We are dog shit every single year in the A-10 tournament. It is like a well-known thing. So if you ever talk to anybody else about Dayton, that is actually our thing, is that we always suck shit in the A-10 tournament. Always. The only time we've won it was when it was on our own floor. Every other time, we sucked. 
All right. Um, I'll go think. UMass. You got it. It is. Ding, 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 ding. Wow. I, that was purely because of Calipari being there. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it is 100%. UMass won the league five times in a row from 1992 to 1996, and they lead all current members in A-10 basketball championships. Do you want to double down, take a stab at which program actually has the most A-10 championships all time? I think if if this were like who wants to be a millionaire, I would take my money, but because I have no money, you I will. Money. I, I sure will go for it. Um, well, I don't actually. I, no, I don't. You're even not a member guess. anymore. That's your hit. Xavier. No, they're third. It's actually Temple. Oh wow! Okay, that makes and it's sense. it's by a fairly wide margin. Temple has nine championships. UMass has five. Xavier and St. Joe's both tied with four. Okay, so um, Dunphy did some good things there, and Cheney, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cheney, Cheney did some great things. Uh, Temple won the tournament recently. The most recent championships are 2000, 01, 08, 09, and 2010. Pretty good trivia segment right there. I always come with the heat. I like it. I like it. I I like being on the hot seat. It it really makes me, uh, it wakes the neurons up, gets them firing. Well, you guys aren't ever really on the hot seat because you kind of do the whole round table three man thing. And, you know, it's no one really ever gets grilled on your show. You know, when people come on, that's when you you have to do the grilling. Um, But you walk listeners through it, man. We were, uh, I know, like I said, had Matt Cox on last year, who is part of the weave. You are obviously part of the weave as well. Um, but I don't think we ever got into like the history of the site because you guys kind of popped up out of nowhere. But my um, my notion right away from you guys, like when I discovered you in the college basketball landscape, was that you guys were pedal down, you know, all the way forward. You guys were all bought in. And that's something that, you know, we... It, when I had the podcast and Blackburn Review, that's what we always struggle with because we write articles when it's convenient for us. But I, I took notice right away that you guys were very serious about having your pedal down and doing college basketball coverage the right way and covering everything, which is a Herculean task. So walk the listeners through, like, how did you have the idea for the site? And, and you know, when did it become an idea where you're like, hey, guys, like we actually have something here? Uh, okay, let's see. It started 2015, I think it was. Uh, Kai and Matt had known each other since high school. I met Kai in college, and then we all kind of started just talking. It was like a party probably at some point. We started talking about college basketball, realized there was very much a shared obsession going on there. And we had just a group chat where we always talked about it. And then at some point, it was like, what if we just wrote about it and kind of you know that be the be the writing you want to see or be like what's that is that a gandhi quote be the change you want to see in the world <laughs> yeah be the writing you'd <laughs> like to see in college basketball I like yeah that. we're like what what kind of coverage would you want to listen to or read and we're like let's, let's give that a shot so we started with some written previews and i mean if you go back they're not good and i'm not saying they're good now but yeah, no, they were no. they were less good then that's, dude if that's you listen sure. to my first shows they're goddamn train wrecks so oh you know, yeah we have our, to our, you, you need reps man you need reps yeah. yeah our first podcast we were using like a quack timer to move on to the next team and <laughs> i wish we could delete the episodes but they're out there somewhere go find um, them so yeah it was just like more of a hobby or, or just a an outlet for like, you know, we're bored at work or something like this is something I can feel productive when I'm not working uh, and be doing this, that that is enjoyable. And as it started to like people, you know, we would just throw tweets at people and spam people like, Hey, check this article out to see if you like it. And, you know, most people wouldn't click, wouldn't, wouldn't care. 
Uh, but eventually you get a couple of people to pay attention. I, I think in like 2017, Jonathan Sharks from The Ringer tweeted about it in some of the previews we had. And that was really cool. Kind of like the first moment of validation of somebody that I had read previously acknowledging that we existed. Sure. Uh, and then it just kind of slowly but surely, like it wasn't like a sudden flashpoint moment or anything. It just uh, over the years just gradually gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And we've worked with some people to where I'm not making huge money, but I'm not doing accounting anymore. So I'm really happy about that temporarily. I don't, I, I don't know if it'll be a long-term solution, but at least for right now I'm trying to, to see where we can go. And uh, you know, it's the fact that people care as much about college basketball as we do, or at least enough to read what we're putting out is, is flattering and humbling. And it's really cool that there is that community out there. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, and I think that, you know, for listeners out there to like pull back the curtain, I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand is that all the people, I guess most people understand that you do it for the love um, of what you do. But I think a lot of people don't realize that there isn't a whole lot of avenues to make huge money. There's a couple of guys that make some huge money. Um, they're few and far between. But basically, all the people that cover college basketball fall into, I always say this, fall into three buckets. Uh, guys in their 20s that are not yet married college students okay and then guys like yourself who actually make it like a pursuit of something that you'd like to do full time and it's it's more legitimate because i feel like you guys did go this path where you're like okay let's make this as legitimate as possible where i always kind of try to toe the line between i don't want to piss the school off too much but i also would like to report what's true and sift through their corporate bullshit you know and it's like i, I you know you have to ruffle feathers when you take that approach but you guys have have kept a certain journalistic standard to remain legitimate. And that's always a hard, uh, you know, a hard thing to battle with. Right. Yeah. I'd say the hardest thing is, you know, I would say our previews are our bread and butter. Like that is the thing we've really probably been known for Mm -hmm. and we don't talk to coaches, so we don't get quotes and that allows us to be a little more blunt and honest and and say like, I think this team's going to stink. You can be objective um, because you didn't sit down in a room with him and then he's calling you up a week later going, hey, what the fuck? Like, why did you write that? And it's like, well, right. because it's true just because you don't yeah. like it, you know? Yep. And you can't, you know, you definitely don't get access the next season with them. Like, so not having to juggle that has has helped a little bit. And it's we've run into trouble. Like, Kai got denied credentials at USC because we weren't nice to Andy Enfield one time. Like, it's <laughs> it's it has its repercussions. But, yeah, it's that's been one thing that we're like, we want to be able to say what we think about these teams rather than have to butter it up. Exactly. And that's better journalism anyways from where we're sitting because there's guys out there that are covering it from a journalistic standard. And, and they have their lane just like we have our lane. But I said it on last week's show, say it again. And you just alluded to it. There is really no benefit to having that team access for what we do because it's analysis, it's reaction, it's opinion. You know, I don't need to know what Anthony Grant is saying in the locker room to have a good informed opinion on what's going on with Dayton basketball. You know, I have people I trust around the program um, that feed me information. I typically know what's going on before it's like officially announced. But you nailed it. Like to have a good site to have a site where you're giving good analysis and breaking things down, you don't need those credentials, right? I mean, it's nice to have them. Sometimes you get to sit courtside, but I think you guys have kind of capitalized on this fan reaction thing. And that's how I always wanted to stay because I would rather watch the game from my seats in the 300 level at UD arena than be down on press row, not be able to cheer, not be able to drink a beer. You know, it's like, that's part of the experience in, in, 
And it's part of what I like to relay reporting just as much as the actual games, right? Yeah, especially with with you having like the one team that you're focused on. Like we've gotten lucky and gotten some credentials at things I mentioned in the Maui Invitational, and that was awesome. But yeah, like like you said, I can't drink a beer at that. I can't get emotional, <laughs> and I'm, I'm I'm a at at my core, I'm just a basketball fan. Yeah. So like when Jalen Crutcher hit the three to send the Kansas game to overtime at Maui it was all I could do to not like jump up and, and celebrate not because I was cheering for Dayton, just because it was a genuinely incredible basketball moment for sure. So having to contain that was, was difficult, but uh, it was worth it. It was cool to be at that one. Yeah, definitely. Well, it was, uh, you know, you're a flyer fan in, in solidarity with us just because of that. So you always have a, <laughs> an open invite on the podcast just because you attended uh, that tournament. Um, and one of the, one of the guys that uh, contributes drew, he was, he was there with you. Um, so we always have boots on the ground in one way or another. It just isn't always me. You know, that's why you just got to have your spider webs got to be big. Yeah. You got, someone's got to judge the body language. You know, you got to be in person. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You get it. Yeah, you get it. Um, speaking on the A10 preview that you wrote, uh, what was, what was the one thing you learned or what was the one thing that surprised you when you started to dig into the teams of the A10, you know, maybe it's a team that you didn't expect kind of jumping off the paper to you saying, ah, maybe they're going to be better than, than I think. What did you learn? Oh man, quite a bit. I thought the league did a really good job in the transfer portal. Like it's yeah. you know, basically top to bottom. You can go all the way down to some of the worst teams and they, they added some, some pieces like Maybe Fordham's not going to be as bad as normal, um, but like George Mason, I, I, that's that's kind of the the maybe the swing team right in the middle with the new coach they hired, some of the talent they brought, uh, the Kim English brought in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was impressed by what the league as a whole did because I look, you know, you look at last year's all conference teams and you see some of the exodus of, of guys that left, but there's enough back and enough talent acquired through the portal that I think it, it could still be a super strong season for the league. Yeah, I agree. So in that same breath, um, I always try to say that teams that matter are the ones that can contend for an NCAA tournament bid. And typically in the A-10, the last few years, we've been looking at two or three bids max. You know, Um, I don't think this year is going to be any different. What say you? Which teams do you think are going to contend for the NCAA tournament bid? And ultimately, how many bids do you think the the, uh, A-10 is going to get? Yeah, I think there's five that can compete for the two or three that you're saying. And I, I would I I kind of generously think it'll get three just because I like the the group of teams that are in that competition. I agree. Uh, I don't think it's any debatable or, or hot take to say St. Bonaventure is the top. Um, I put them in a tier by themselves. And it's not because like I think they'll 100 percent, no doubt, Stone Cold Lock win the league, but it's more their their low range of outcomes is still so high like if they finish worse than third i'll be shocked yeah uh just based on the 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 guys they have coming back but then in that next group right behind them uh i think i I have it ordered richmond slew dayton vcu and now if ace baldwin was going to be healthy the whole year for vcu I, i probably would bump them up a little bit but with that diciness around his achilles uh i i put them down to fifth uh, but I think any of those four teams can sneak into two more bids for the league as long as they take care of business in, in the non-conference. Yeah, and that's always like the the huge talking point for Dayton fans and A10 fans in general, right? Um, but this year, I do feel like the A10 finally got some really good games on the schedule, like top to bottom, and and it's just so important when especially for our conference, right? Because we are right in the middle every single year between being a legitimate, you know, power conference, whatever the hell that means to you, 
and not being a mid-major. I mean, A10 and the Mountain West to an extent is stuck right in the middle. So what does that lead to, right? It just leads to the non-conference being way more important. Um, and that always leads us to the discussion of how can the A10 get stronger as a league? And my response to that is always the same. And I wanted to see if you agree that the best way forward for the A10 is addition by subtraction. It's getting down to 11 teams. It's playing a 20 game schedule where everybody has a home and home against the other 10 teams in the league. And, you know, LaSalle and Fordham, the obvious ones. And I think UMass is the other one because they have been chasing this football dream for a couple of years now. And they have like one toe in the water, right? So I was kind of interested what you thought now that you've analyzed the league and you've been analyzing the league for a number of years. Like, how does the A10 take that next step up in your mind? I, I kind of like where your head's at there, where if you don't have that, the, those those anchors kind of dragging down what the 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 conference reputation and rating is, that's pretty huge. I mean, it's yeah, it's difficult because a lot of those other uh, conferences have the D one a A's team football money to help and, and kind of route some of it through, uh, and. and the A10 doesn't have the like 1A FBS programs, but the focus on basketball has definitely let them be like it's been a basketball league. And I've, I've seen that through like our writing and the, and the time, kind of feedback. Like I get way more feedback about A10 than I do Pac-12 for sure. And probably oh, even yeah. like SEC and, and, and uh, Big 12 sometimes. So it, it's the, the passion is there, I think. Bringing in really good coaches helps. I, I think there's been some pretty solid hires made, but maybe not top top of the line. I don't know. Uh, well, it's I'm, a mid tier league, right? You bring in guys that can move up to those power conference jobs. Like look at Will Wade, look at Archie Miller, look at Dan Hurley at Rhode Island. Those are all yep. guys that came in and they did well in this conference, and so you get a better job. I mean, we we have to accept that reality, and I think that's why Dayton fans were so excited when Anthony Grant signed on, because if we're ever going to have a guy that sticks around as long as Don Donaher did from the sixties to the eighties, this is it. We, we have our guy again, right? Yeah. Having a guy that like is an alum that the program means more to him than it would to somebody who's not a hired gun, but like looking to get that next step or, yeah. and, and Grant especially is a guy that's gone to that. He's gone up that level. He didn't succeed. And so now maybe he's even more motivated to be like, I have it good here. I have it really good. This is my my alma mater. I want to succeed here. I don't want to try to take that leap and fail again. So it, it, it does set up pretty well for the Flyers to have somebody like that. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. And um, that's, like you said, music to my ears here on uh, in Flyer fandom land. But in the bottom tiers here, so you had third tier, right? We just talked about Richmond, St. Louis, Dayton, VCU in that second tier and then Bonaventure at the top. So for the listeners, just to like back up slowly, those are the five teams that we legitimately think are going to jockey for the top of the league. And when all is said and done, those teams right there, those five are going to be the ones where the bids come from in the coming year. And um, I think you can see where I'm going with this, Jim. Everybody cares about what does it mean for Dayton, right? Like I have to put it into the Dayton context for everybody. Nice little flyer wrapping on everything. But in the tiers three, four, and five, we're going Davidson, George Mason, Duquesne, UMass, Rhode Island. <clears throat> and then the bottom is Fordham, George Washington, LaSalle, and St. Joe's. Out of that bottom tier, 
who could take the step up? Who could actually contend for a top four spot out of that bottom tier? I'm going to go with Davidson myself. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I think it's Davidson too, just because of the coaching. The front court's really good. I think Lee is legitimately a top five shooter in the entire sport, like in the, yeah. in, in the whole country. It's just their, you know, their backcourt has a lot of questions. The the advantage for them is that the motion offense they run isn't really reliant on like having a, a star creator. It's not like pick and roll. We need this guy to set everybody up. The offense should do most of the work for them, but that, that defense is just never good. Never. So it's that's not it's, that's their brand, you know. <laughs> yeah, like we recruit skill, we don't recruit athletes, so we're not going to be able to guard you. Uh, and, and that's you know that that kind of limits the ceiling. So. I actually might throw George Mason just because I don't know what to expect from Kim English and that unknown adds to the range of outcomes. If he really is like the coaching star that a lot of the media has has kind of pumped him up to be. And I think that's, you know, a different story because he's just really friendly to the media and I think it helps the way they present him, but yeah. he did bring in a couple power conference transfers. He does play a, a, or a he has like the the rah-rah atmosphere that that people might want to play for and and really buy into so that's one that i think that has a really wide range of outcomes wide variants that could climb all the way up to knocking on that door with tier four i'm not betting on it but i think it's possible well that's that's exactly the question right is it like we're pretty sure these top five teams are going to be figuring yeah you know, they're going to be jockeying for the top so yeah, I always try to figure out that dark horse. Like, what's one team that could really mix it up? Um, I think, you know, Duquesne's time is probably coming on as far as, like, me giving them a little bit of uh, preseason push. Uh, I was going to gonna do that about a year or two ago, and I think they've kind of showed who they are, to be quite honest with you. Um, but putting that aside, um, you did have to do a full breakdown of Dayton, which is not lost on the listeners. That's why you're on the show. What'd you learn about Dayton? Well, the, it's kind of like the opposite team from last year is really where I, I landed last it's year. It's completely like, new. It's, it, yeah. You're starting over, basically. And opposite in the sense of like, okay, we have this last year. We have the senior point guard that I trust like completely. He's going to make the right play. He's a scorer. He can set up others. But what, who does he pass to? I'm not really sure about the other weapons. The interior is a question mark. This year, it's like, okay, the front court rocks. Yeah. like You have three really good front court players. Curious on your take on, on whether they can play all three of those guys together. Maybe you can answer that in a second. But the the backcourt now is where the questions come in. Are they going to have creators? Are they going to have enough shooters that can draw attention from that front court and allow them to make plays in space and, and not get double teamed constantly? So I, I'm curious to see how that works out. What do you think about like the the Camara at the three with Holmes and Amzil? Does that work? Yeah, I think it does. Um, just because. I watched Amzil last year a lot, and he is not going to play a lot of posts. He's not going to go banging around down <laughs> low. He's just not that kind of player. You know, he's not a skilled rebounder. He doesn't have a nose for the rim. You know, when the ball is in the air, um, he's not physical. He's not a huge body. He's a really skilled 6'10 big guy who can shoot, you know, and and I hate to say like, I hate to compare him to like Kevin Durant, but I mean, that's, that's essentially what we're talking about. We're talking about a, a skinny pale Finnish version of Kevin Durant. And it's like, he's not going to go and and mix it up for you down low. So honestly, I think Amzil is, is a closer guy to put at the three than anybody because 
from what I've seen from Kamara, and this is all new to the Dayton fans, he is a guy that's super physical, can get to the rim, and can really mix it up down low with a big frame being six eight. So what I see happening is him playing this kind of like hybrid five center role, but um, Amzil kind of playing more of a role that Obi did where he was in and out and passing a lot and not necessarily playing the post. So I think what you have here is like Kamara and Amzil being good to play off of each other, um, but neither of them being that true post player. And I've said from the jump that Deron Holmes, freshman recruit that we're bringing in, I think he's going to start night one at the three, just being a big, lanky, um, kind of like stretch forward, right? Um, and then after that, there's a lot of questions. Like, you know, can Weaver handle it up top at the point guard spot? And then I think really when Dayton fans get down to it, that two spot is what everybody's like. It could be literally anybody on the roster to play that, that <laughs> last spot. So yeah, like from my perspective, that's kind of how I see Grant, you know, shaking it out. But I also have said there is so many weapons on this roster or there's so much talent that inevitably three or four guys are going to find themselves out of the rotation by the time conference play starts. Number one. And number two, there's going to be two or three guys that transfer off this roster by the end of the year as well. Yeah, because coming into the year, basically every guy can make the case that I deserve playing time. And if you're the one that doesn't get it, then I I understand why you'd make that decision to transfer. Yeah, I I think like with the three bigs, as long as Holmes or Kamara can guard a wing, and I think Kamara probably can. Holmes, you probably know better than me. I, I think don't. That's can, the great but... part. I I don't watch AAU <laughs> film. What the fuck? You know. I mean, like the first game I'm going to see is in 41 days. So, All right, fair <laughs> no yeah. idea. Uh, but it is kind of like with with the shooting guard spot, you've got like five candidates. It'd be almost stunning if none of them hit. Like, yeah, yeah. As long as you get two guys that are playable, can knock down some shots, play defense, you you, you should end up in fine shape. It's just I, you know, I think Weaver is the the ultimate wild card and, and the X factor that the whole season pivots on. Like if he's competent and, and sets people up and kind of just really only plays like a game manager, doesn't try to do too much, then I think that's where your, your best scenarios take off from. Yeah, I agree. And I said that Elijah Weaver is kind of going to be the key piece of the team. Not so much that you know he's the guy we have to rely on, but. If if the shit goes south this season, I have a pretty good idea that it's going to be because he doesn't turn into a veteran type of player for us. Um, and, you know, conversely, if Dayton does see a lot of success, if they go on to win the league, I have a feeling he's going to be the catalyst for that success just because that's the big hole that needs filled right now. And if he can figure out a way to properly facilitate the other weapons, the other big guys that we're going to have on the floor as a 6'6 point guard. I just don't see another team in the A-10 that's going to be able to contend uh, contend with us and defend us, right? Because there's, there's certain teams in the A-10 that I get really leery of, um, and, and we just lose to all the time, right? Like when we go to LaSalle, we always lose. For some reason, we lose to St. Joe's. It doesn't matter who their coach is. We just lose to St. Joe's. But this year is weird because we've beaten Bonaventure a lot, okay? Even last year, beat Bonaventure. Same way, we always kind of find a way to beat St. Louis. VCU (laughs) is always a crapshoot. 
and my slew brother would would be very angry but agree with you there that's what i mean it's like i and and there's such good matchups and there's a reason that dayton and st louis has now become this really good regional a10 rivalry you know because we're both the western schools in the conference um we're both catholic schools in cities and we kind of have the same makeup as universities and you know we've been playing tough games against slew for like over a decade now so point I'm getting to here is that I have I have a like a, a rosy outlook on the conference because the teams that are in front of us, Richmond, St. Louis, St. Bonaventure, are typically teams that Dayton kind of finds a way how to beat. And Anthony Grant has has done really well against Mark Schmidt. He's done really well against Chris Mooney, and he's done fairly well against Travis Ford um, after his first season. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where I'm I'm looking at this conference up and down. And it's it's the old adage, Jim, like you don't have to outrun the bear. You just got to outrun the guy that's behind you. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's a very good point. Well, yeah. And like last year, you you did like you said, you got some of the big wins. It's just the consistency of taking care of business against the lower end. Like I, I think I I don't remember exactly what you tweeted, but it was after the week stretch where you lost to LaSalle and Fordham and you were just like <laughs> this bad. is this is the darkness especially after the season you had had prior to that it's like <laughs> man I I feel for him because you can't lose to both of those teams <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh I wish I wish that uh my girlfriend would have taken a video of my reaction that night because it was like it was peak sports fan right we had lo- <laughs> we had lost to LaSalle the week before and it's a Tuesday night. I'm sitting in my living room by myself. My girlfriend's sitting there and she was like, you know, on her phone. She wasn't paying attention to the game at all. And during the second half, I was trying to explain to her how deplorable it would be if we <laughs> lost this specific game. She's like, I don't know who Fordham is. Right. So I was like explaining. Here's why this is going to be bad. So I remember uh, Dayton was down one possession and they had the ball and there was 10 seconds left. And you have that thought in your head. You know the one I'm talking about where you're like, we're not going to lose this game. Like, just just figure out a way. It doesn't have to be pretty. Like, we're not going to lose this game. And as that 10 seconds rolled off the clock, it started to hit me like one second at a time. And it was like, we're, we're not going to lose the Fordham. We're not going to lose the Fordham. We're not going to. We're going to. We're going to lose a fucking Fordham. And I'm like, I'm like rolling around. my. I'm like, I'm stomping around my living room. And I think, I think that was the game where I went out the back door and I just like sat on the steps for like five minutes. Cause I was like, <laughs> I'm going to tweet something or I'm going to like yell too loud. And my, like the, the cops are going to get called. You know, I live in like a pretty condensed city neighborhood here, but I was like, you know what? You're just going to have to cool down. So I'm, I'm just pulling back the curtain for you there. That was my night when we lost in four. Uh, I love it. Yeah. So you good. go outside in Chicago in January. That's that's how you cool down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like, right. I literally, I think I was like in short sleeves just sitting on the back steps like I can't believe we just lost fucking Fordham. And then, of course, uh, our buddy Dukes, who graduated from Dayton, works at Barstool. He had a video that, of course, they filmed because he was in the Barstool office. And his reaction was like the exact same as mine. And then he looked at the camera and was like, you guys, we just lost fucking Fordham. Like it was like an absolute disbelief at what we had just seen. You know, it. Yeah. So now you know how it feels to lose the I, soccer. I mean, yeah. I, I I don't I don't envy it. I'll say that. <laughs> 
Uh, I think uh, I haven't covered nearly enough on your A10 preview, but um, like I said, I always like to put things under the lens of you know what what Dayton fans care about, and and uh, your point's well taken, man. Like there is a lot more conversation around this conference at this time of year as opposed to the other ones because we don't have football to contend with. Um, the programs in the conference that do have football are all one double A. Um, if they have a program at all. And and that's what I like about it, right? Is because we, we can get this type of conversation going preseason and have people care about it. And uh and that that's what's cool, man. Like that's why it's it's a great conference to be in basketball wise and for guys like us that, you know, want to drum up listeners and conversation and, and kind of get that narrative going early on before the season starts. Yeah. And I mean, like, <clears throat> I, I, I joke about it, like with writing a preview about the A-10, like, ah, I'm scared for the feedback. Like they're going to, they're going to bite my head off, but <laughs> yeah. it still is like, it's fun and informative to put that out there and see what, what gets pushed back. Like wh- yeah. what do people really disagree with me on? And that makes me look at it. Like, did I, am I wrong about this? Is this just something I kind of assumed and didn't research well enough? And, yeah. and the, the, the fan base that knows this team better than I do is probably right. Like th- there's a lot of that where I learn just as much from, you know, this sounds like a, a stupid sentimental thing, but like putting, putting this stuff out there is helpful to me, a guy that bets on basketball quite a bit. Like wh- where, where are my weak points or my blind spots in, in the A-10? And it, it's fun to have them pointed out, sometimes rudely, sometimes not. But <laughs> it, it's good to get that kind of feedback. I, I, I appreciate it from the people who do it from a, a place of uh, in, information rather than just calling me a clown or whatever. No doubt. Uh, wrapping up with Jim Root uh, at Second Chance Points on Twitter and a part of the Three Man Weave. You can always find them at three slash man slash weave dot com. And they just put out an A10 preview, which is why uh, Jim has graciously given us his time today on the podcast. Um, before I get to final thoughts, had to rapid fire a couple of questions that were sent to us on Twitter. There were just three of them. That was quite modest. And the first one was for me. It said, will Sully's beanie return to the arena this year? It will not. My girlfriend has told me that I have to retire the beanie. Um, that was kind of like an inside joke with Dayton fans. I started wearing a beanie around because it was cold in the wintertime, but I only like put it on half my head. So it just it became this running joke because if you're going to get like roasted on Twitter, you might as well just like lean into it. So then oh, yeah. I started wearing the beanie to every game. And that was kind of like my thing. But I have to retire it. All right. Questions for Jim. Two of them. How painful was it to have to research and write up a whole section on Fordham? Uh, it's it's painful, but <laughs> I tell myself that it helps, you know, because like I said, I, be, I bet on these games. So I need to know what Kyle Neptune is planning there. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be betting on probably a lot of Fordham overs because I think they'll play a lot faster than they did last year. Oh, so well, I, I, yeah, there you go. That's yeah. as long as that pays out at the end of the year, I'll be like, well, you know, that time I spent on Fordham. It was that I got some ROI, ROI yeah, on it. <laughs> that may, it was worthwhile, and that's what we're all here for. Because I certainly cashed some money on some Fordham unders last year because their games were yes. ugly. Yes. Um, last one is actually a legitimate question from our stats guy Matt. Um, the Blackburn review. We have to keep a stats guy on payroll. He goes by Matt Ryan at Matt Ryan eighty six. He said, "What is the best case and worst case scenarios look like for UD's backcourt this season?" Jimmy, you can go ahead and answer that. Well, I think best case, uh, we kind of touched on Weaver earlier. Like he becomes like the ultimate kind of solid game manager. Like, I don't know if maybe a Rodney Chapman type where he's not Jalen Crutcher star all conference guy, but he's got the size to play really good defense and he can 
put people in places to succeed and run some of the pick and roll stuff that Grant wants to and just not try to do too much and, and not hurt the team with turnovers. Uh, and then you get a couple of the guys that, you know, on the wing knockdown shots. I think Blakeney's guy that I like the most of that group, but uh, we'll see who who pans out. I'm not a huge Kobe Elvis guy. I think if his name was like Bartomey McCloskey, people would say he sucks, but Kobe Elvis is just such a awesome name that <laughs> yeah, we're, we're holding out hope <laughs> yeah now we have two kobe's um, so yeah it's a lot of oh yeah there's gonna be a lot of kobe's filtering their way through college basketball in the next like five to ten years though just because of how old they are you know when they were born yep. yeah yep I think, exactly i think people see where i'm going with this yeah uh, so i yeah i i think best case is you get like a really solid season from weaver and you get some guards to step up worst case is Man, we're we're turning the ball over like crazy. We don't have anybody that's setting our awesome front court up, and it's like kind of taking away their effectiveness because they can't get the ball in the right spot. So yeah. there, there's a wide range just because of the uncertainty. But uh, I, I do think Grant has done a pretty good job of developing guys, and that young wing class is really promising. Yeah, I agree, and and just like I've said this now, and um, you know, this is probably a good place to end the show. Is that like as we're going through the season? The, the variance for Dayton, as I see it, is lowest place they'll be is like a fifth or sixth place finish. Some some fucking like, I don't know, blue ribbon or something like that put out. And they said Dayton was going to be seventh. And I'll put it on the podcast. too. I will delete my Twitter account if Dayton finishes seventh in the A-10. And then I will go to campus and I will I will make sure that the whole coaching staff gets fired because if Dayton finishes seventh, that is so beyond what is acceptable given the amount of talent on this roster. So I will say the variance is Dayton can win the conference or finish as low as sixth. And I just, I, I mean, you guys said it on your A10 preview podcast, which I'll plug right now with Three Man Weave podcast. You guys said the same thing. Like it's almost impossible to think that Dayton could drop lower than that at this point in their program. Yeah, I think that is a great summary. I have nothing better to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, perfect. Um, before we let you go, Jim, all guests on Talking Out Loud get final thoughts for our listeners. What are your final thoughts for our Dayton listeners out there before I let you go? Uh, stay stay loud, right? I got to say that. You do. I, 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 That's how okay, I end the show. Good. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, uh, but no, I, I admire the passion. Keep it going. Your your venue is perfect for the first four. I hope to get there at some point when my brother's best friends just moved to Dayton. I need to see that arena, especially after seeing the fan base just at a neutral site. So keep that up. Keep up the passion. I admire what you guys are doing. And uh, yeah, thank, thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we will definitely get you there at some point. When you do, I'll make sure that beers are paid for uh, before or <laughs> after the game, whatever I need to do. I got people there that can take care of those types of situations. Um, but uh, but you nailed it here. I'm going to throw you a curveball because usually I prepare my guests better than this. But before I take people out, I always give my guests. Um, a, I, I ask them if they'd like a song to take the, the podcast out. Usually I, I choose myself. But is there a song in your head right now? Maybe that you were listening to today that I can take the podcast out with. Oh boy, I I don't think I have one. No, I, no. I, the, the, my go-to song for stuff is always "All the Lights" by Kanye. But and I don't know if that's just lame. But whatever, I'll, I'll I'll put that one out there. You know what? It's the preseason. It's no big deal. We're gonna take you guys out with "All the Lights" by Kanye West on I think his second best album of all time. But that's a different discussion. Here's all of the lights by Kanye West taking you guys out until next Thursday. 
for Jim Root and the entire three-man weave. I'm Sully. This is Talking Out Loud. And you know that there are two rules. You must wear red and be loud. We'll catch you next week.